Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey everybody, it's your I'm a crybaby bruiser holding McNeely. man, man, devil man, baby. Woo! I love spooky boy. Oh. I love that we're doing devil man. Devil man fucking rules, dude. dude. What a good topic, dude. What if Batman was a fucking monster fucker and he just ripped the tits off of everything? That's goddamn devil man. Yeah, you know, at first I'm like, all right, cool. Some like kind of fist of the North Star stuff. You know, it's fun. It's gnarly. Monsters, violence, sex. We love it, right? And then so much more came from this research than I ever thought would because I was not familiar enough with its creator, Go Nagai, and what he went through as an artist. He was a true rebel in a civilization, in a culture where rebellion is like absolutely a ch- just a great challenge. You know, I mean, in America, like our whole country is based on, founded on rebellion, you know? Mm-hmm. I think it's very different. But for us, you to in Japan fight back against the moral core of that country. That's on a whole nother level, dog. And this dude really, really set about to challenge some motherfucking social norms. And I'm here for it. And it's not even that he like was just a rebel. He fundamentally changed the game. Yeah. Like as far back as I can remember, as long as I have been alive, you would see ads for Japanimation, and it's like, this ain't your daddy's cartoons. Check out fucking Ninja Scroll, right. bro. There's blood and boobs everywhere. This shit is crazy. This shit is extreme. And like before Devil Man and before Go Nagai, anime was not this kind of thing. You know, their, their standards were just as tame and kind of uh, child focused as any other animation industry. But the. The things about Devilman that I find so bizarre about it is kind of like the duality of this character. Because at once he's like kind of this this kind of old fashioned hokey thing. Like he's basically Batman. You know, his head is the shape of a bat. He's in like swim trunks like any other superhero. He's almost out of place within a standard anime uh, canon of heroes. Like uh, when he's in his devil form, He kind of just looks like an American superhero that lost his way. And, uh, you know, his original hit anime was incredibly hokey. Like, you can watch it. It's basically 
speed racer, super sentai, monster of the week shit, choppy animation, every episode, some boogity boo kidnaps Miki, his love interest, and just like, <laughs> and Akira, our, our young hero, just goes like, uh, all right, change, devil man, devil beam, devil kick, and he wins the day, and that is basically it. Meanwhile, the manga and its legacy goes into, like, the meaning of life and the apocalypse and the horrors at the core of the human condition and, like, war and suffering. And it is a massive, like, gut punch. And weirdly enough, over the years, it has kind of evolved uh, I would always see ads for Devil Man, especially in the early 2000s and 90s. There was like a million just like edgy, violent adaptations that have been made over the years. There was like a live action one. There's sequel series Devil Lady, which is its own fucked up bucket of shit. Yes. And like it wasn't until Devil Man Crybaby came out that like all of these disparate ideas the 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 lasciviousness the violence the sex the horror the messaging the humor all like finally coalesced into this like really amazing story that uses extreme violence and uses extreme emotions and uses just like just raw fucking blood and guts and tits and dick to tell an incredibly captivating story in an incredibly creative way all born from, and these original comics, they look like shit posts. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, there's just like a million pages of Akira and his friend Ryo just hanging out, just being like, that's right. The devils use their powers in order to evolve, much like man evolves using weapons. Hold on. I need to smoke a cigarette. This is laced with drugs. <laughs> like, it's so fucking weird. Yeah. Yeah. But in a, in a way, I think you're speaking towards, uh, at the same time, an artist, a uh, creator that was a, a bit ahead of his time, that it took all the way up until 20, what, 18 before we finally got, uh, or was it 2018? When did Devil May Cry Baby drop? Was was that a pandemic watch? That was a pandemic watch for me, uh, but it technically came out in 2018. Yes, so it took till all the way till that time to finally see on the screen. I think what was originally intended with this work, and that's some pretty incredible stuff. Um, yeah, I feel like Devil Man up until Devil Man Cry Baby was maybe only in my head vaguely as a giant influence for my favorite work of all time, Neon Genesis Evangelion. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm sure we we mentioned Devilman or at least Go Nagai offhandedly. Go Nagai's name has come up a million times so when many we talk times. about influential uh, shonen series. Well, because you've got Mazinger Z, right? Berserk. And you've we, uh, Cutie Honey. Yeah. Well, I'm saying stuff that Go Nagai created that, oh, oh, yeah, that has oh, been massively yeah, influential yeah, yeah. in the mecha genre or the magical girl genre. Mm -hmm. But we're just talking about Devil Man, which kind of stands on his own, except for, I mean, uh, how many things feel like it now? F a fusion of a man with a demon, mm -hmm. I don't know, ju Jujutsu Kaisen, uh, you know, that sort of thing. Bleach, you know, I mean, we kind of have this this through line in, uh, you know, this kind of Oni-inspired dark, you know, I mean, even like Demon Slayer, you could look at just the relationship between the uh, the brother and the sister is mm -hmm. almost like they are like a devil man in a, in a certain sense. Like, it is so massively influential and I love that it's all about challenging norms, challenging the status quo, 
Back in the day, it was more about uh, anti-war. With Devilman Crybaby, it's more brought up to date and more about, um, you know, LGBTQ people. And whoa, whoa, whoa. What is what about the personification of Satan becoming a hermaphroditic uh, man, woman with giant tits and wings coming out of their face, admitting that they've always loved their best friend severed torso <laughs> is uh, is pushing boundaries in any you way. Know, I don't understand. It's like kind of incredible how how ahead of its time it was in these in these ways. And and so for me personally, Devilman Crybaby drops. Everyone's hype about it. It's on Netflix. So very easy to easily accept. Accessible. And I remember being floored by that first episode. The violence, mm-hmm. the and it has such a good build to that shit, too. It really like does such a good job of totally wowing, you know, especially somebody who loves you know, I'm a Berserk fan. Mm-hmm. Monsters, giant, disfigured, terrifying beasts being slaughtered, blood sprays. And having this weird sexual undertone with all of it. And it just, it's just horny violence, man. I mean, it's a fun, it can be an interesting ride uh, in the sense of uh, anime, you know? And, and, and uh, yeah, I just, I just absolutely loved it. Devoured the whole thing, you know, when it first came out. And um, yeah, I'm glad we're finally doing this episode. I had no idea any of the background to Mm -hmm. what led up to making this uh, initial run back in 1972 this this manga that came out that was completely a reaction to the way he'd been treated by the masses uh based on another work that he did a horny school work that we'll talk about <laughs> and so all of this is commenting on moral core shit but then also he was like definitely explicitly anti-war and to have these like major anti-war sentiments Strong in his work in 1968, 69. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and he talks about that. He, and definitely, obviously, hey, you say anti war in 1969, and it makes a lot of sense from an American perspective. But he also felt the hippie movement. Uh, and he also infused that social. Con- the concept that that social rebellion that went on with the hippie movement into his own work in Japan at the same time. And that is really fucking rock and roll. This guy is really, really like kind of a badass figure in the history of manga. What makes it even crazier is that, you know, Devilman Crybaby is set in the modern age and so many of the themes, the, uh, you know, uh, the distrust between peoples, uh, but in Crybaby, it's based on social media and and politics. Yes. The the inevitability of war, the futility of war uh, is just as true today as it was back then. There's something so primal id about Go Nagai's work. He talks about like literally making up like most of this series in a trance-like state, which given his workload at the time, he was going like days without sleep, a week without a meal, like just uh, at the head of this insanely productive anime, animation and manga studio, just like, just emerging from a daze being like, uh, fuck, okay, uh, these two have devil sex and uh, this character dies and then reading it later and being like, oh, that's what I did? Crazy. <laughs> like, there's a dreamlike quality to the progress of Devilman as a story that, like, 
even when it doesn't make any fucking sense, it like still like kind it it in, in the way that a dream does. Like the themes and inevitabilities come to the surface in a way that feel really satisfying and stick with you for a long time. Yeah. It's it's amazing, man. It's amazing. All right. Well, let's fucking get into it, shall we? Let's get into it. All right. Devilman is a Japanese manga series written and illustrated by Go Nagai. It's about a high school student named Akira Fudo who absorbs the powers of a demon in order to fight hidden creatures in his world. It has since been adapted into an anime by Toei Animation back in 1972 and even got a remake 2018 with uh, Devilman Crybaby directed by Masaki Yuasa for Netflix. But let's start with the man, the myth, the legend, Go Nagai. Born as uh, Kiyoshi Nagai in 1945 in Japan. He is the fourth of five brothers, and they, along with his mother, moved to Tokyo after the death of his father. He was struck early on by the work of Italian painter and illustrator Gustav Diore. Gonagai said, when I was a child, I was struck by the edition of Divina Commedia my father had at home, which was illustrated by Diore. Since then, I paid attention to Italian culture, mostly novels and movies imported in Japan. Mal Dante and the following uh, Devilman are for sure children of Lucifer trapped in the ice. So... The thing about Gustave Doré is that he was most well-known for woodcuts and lithographs, these uh, highly intricate black-and-white images that could be reproduced in books. And uh, if you've ever seen, like, uh, it, I, you can almost, like, imagine it, like, a co- you know, a just insanely complicated vision of hell with, like, wriggling bodies and monsters everywhere with all this intense chiaroscuro shading like it's these kind of just completely alien images that filled his mind and kind of laid the groundwork for the uh just I'm going to just going to say it nightmare like visuals of the world of demons and angels that he later uh kind of illustrates for Devilman. You know, it's just contorted bodies suffering, just strained muscles and beheadings and fallen angels and monsters and demons all just just cramming each individual uh, woodcut. Yeah, they're awesome. Which, if you're a manga artist, you are also dealing with black and white, so a lot of the rendering techniques and a lot of those like visual techniques lend themselves to creating manga. Yeah, and and by the way, you know, Dante's uh, Divine Comedy is, of course, all about Dante being led through. It's in it's in poetic form, and he's being led through the deepest bowels of hell. And then uh, he ends up, you know, being shown purgatory in heaven as well. But the really juicy bits are the hell parts. That's mm-hmm. the fun. Dante's Inferno. That's the fun stuff. That's where all the, yeah, exactly, the writhing bodies, the crazy monsters and awful nightmares to, to behold um, really pops. You mm-hmm. know, the heaven part's a little more boring. And, and so uh, it's definitely like great fodder for intense imagery, really, really striking stuff and definitely would would be very striking for a kid, you know, to happen upon. Another big influence on the guy from an early age came from the world around him as he was born right on the heels of the Second World War. 
And the guy said, I was born three weeks after Japanese capitulation. So I lived the horror of the war only through the testimonies and the stories of people around me. But I was affected by it for sure. So all my works were the fear of the war is clear in every story of mine. And I'm often misunderstood because I prefer not to express explicitly pacifist messages. But I rather show what would happen if we come to a new world war. I also think that some characters I created share a hippie soul because I started working just in 1968, so they were inevitably influenced by those years. Uh, Speaking of influences, another one was Osamu Tezuka, uh, who is referred to as the godfather of manga. I'm sure we're going to cover him at some point. We brought him up a bagillion times. He's also uh, compared to uh, or seen as the Japanese equivalent of Walt Disney. He created Astro Boy, among many other works, and really set the foundations for what manga would become, uh, especially like you ever wonder why manga and anime, uh, the car- look of characters is very like Disney esque. Mm-hmm. That that is Tetsuka's influence. That was him taking a lot from the works of Disney and spinning it into the general common look of manga and anime would become. It should be noted that a lot of Gonagai's work, especially his early work, is almost indistinguishable from Tezuka's. Mm. There's like a very simplified kind of rounded anatomy to everybody. The expressions are very similar. Just, you know, a lot of like, huh? Ooh, like Uh bug-eyed kind of stuff that is very similar to Tezuka because he was like basically building the visual vocabulary of Japanese comics in real time. And as Nagai kind of rose to prominence in the uh, 60s and 70s, that was when Tezuka kind of jumped into his own and kind of upped the ante on his own work, trying to create like more mature, anti-war, sexually charged stories as well. So, like, these two creators with weirdly similar storytelling styles, uh, one representing the edgy youth and the other representing the old school, were, like, kind of having a discussion through their comics throughout the years. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. So he's definitely a fan of manga. He's he's enjoying it as a hobby in his younger years, but definitely being pushed more towards a traditional Japanese career path, right? And that is largely due to his mother, who's definitely that character in the biopic that is like totally anti what his passions are. This is like kind of, I mean, he really is born out of a certain oppression when it comes towards his interest in manga. But uh, after high school, 
He attends a prep school to gain placement at Wasada University. I'm not sure what his major was going to be. I, I, I don't think I saw that anywhere, but it was going to be a very traditional something. Who knows? Something something very office and and normal. But then something happened that would change his life forever. He started shitting mercilessly. <laughs> Man, did this guy have a dumper do that lasted for three weeks. We're talking severe dumps. He could not stop spray shitting. <laughs> Uh, it was kind of like me when I got back from Cancun. <laughs> exactly. But it really, it, it was kept exactly going. like that. But as much as we want to laugh at it, he really was shitting so hard and no, so it's much. A, it's a, that people he die thought that he was going to die. Yeah. It, it is not actually funny. He actually thought he was going to die. Uh, he he definitely uh, it's put into the place of really, really confronting his own mortality. And he realizes that he doesn't want to live that traditional lifestyle. He doesn't. You know, he doesn't want to just like make his mom happy and 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 have that nine to five life. He really wants to revisit his childhood passion for manga and create even just one work, one work of manga before his death, which at the time seemed in- imminent. So, uh, so though he survives, of course he survives. He now has this new purpose in life. He's going to become a professional mangaka. His brother Yasutaka, I think we mentioned he has he's. One of five or one of four uh, brothers? One of five brothers, and his brothers worked very closely with him throughout his uh, manga career, either working as art assistants or managers or story uh, assistants. Like, he worked very closely with them. But it's Yasutaka, one of the brothers, who helps him create his first works, which he submits for publication. He ends up changing his name to Go Nagai uh, for his publications, and that is largely due, apparently, to his mother's deep disapproval of this change in career path. And I think that really is a through line for him. Him wanting to create these works and immediately, before he's even a professional, he's getting blowback by cultural Japanese societal norms which are instilled in his mom, right? So I think he's always ends up with this, this kind of chip on his shoulder towards people trying to shut him down and trying to like force him to live this normal life that he has no interest in, you know, and 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 we're gonna we're gonna really really get there when it comes to his decision to create what becomes Devilman. So he gets rejected a lot at first, as one usually does. It almost annoys me when people just immediately get a success right out the gate. This is not one of those cases. He he's submitting a bunch of stuff, but what happens is he gets the notice of an incredible mangaka legend. Shotaro Ishinomori, uh, who ends up hiring him as an assistant. He was hired based on this trial manga Nagai created about a science fiction ninja. This was when Nagai was just 19 years old. And Ishinomori definitely sees it and says, man, I, I got a lot of notes for you. This is really rough. But he sees that potential in Go Nagai's work. He sees just enough of a flame in there that he knows this guy that has has something uh, potential for the future. Old heads might remember the name uh, Shotaro Ishinomori uh, because he was the creator of the Super Sentai series. That That's correct. right, Go Go Power Rangers, as well as Kamen Rider, basically the entire tokusatsu live action superhero special effects genre was born from uh, Ishinomori's work. Uh, and also, almost more importantly for Go Nagai, because his hero is Tetsuka, 
Ishinomori was Tetsuka's assistant mm-hmm. before Nagai ends up becoming Ishinomori's assistant. So he's getting a direct line of education from his absolute number one, you know, mangaka from his childhood. I mean, that that has got to be such a big, amazing situation for Nagai early on. So some of the things that Nagai learned from Ishinomori, uh, according to the man himself, I've witnessed a process of continual change. For example, Mr. Ishinomori was continually challenging himself to add his own innovations to what Mr. Tetsuka had already developed. He worked really hard to make completely new panel layouts and other improvements. I was really surprised when Mr. Ishinomori created a really long, vertically divided panels. I thought, wow, so you can also do it this way? Speech bubbles lying across two panels or characters drawn over multiple panels, things like that. Now, we're so used to it that we take it for granted, but at the time, it was really astonishing. And especially, this is good for Nagai to to apply to gag manga, which is what he started on, like comic strips, essentially, but the Japanese manga version of those, because he was able to apply some of these dramatic techniques to what's normally very traditional square panels or rectangular panels with like... four coma. A four-panel comic is... The traditional, like, it's basically the equivalent to the American three-panel horizontal comic strip. It's a four-panel vertical comic strip that is what is the primary format for gag manga in uh, Japan. So basically, Gonagai has created what is essentially a step-by-step autobiography of everything involved in the making of Devilman in the form of a manga called... Geki Man, about a handsomer version of himself creating Devil Man and working with lots of people. And in there, he claims that uh, working as an assistant for Mr. Ishimori was a strict job. He barely got a break. Two weeks out of every month, he would only end up sleeping two to three hours at a time. This was a time when Ishimori um, was... uh, I already mispronounced his name. That's fine. Uh, Ishinomori had been uh, accepting work left and right, TV show development, multiple manga series, and literally the only thing that he could even like muster the strength to do on his own time was gag mangas. Just from the sheer like crucible of work that it was being uh, an assistant at that time. Absolutely, absolutely. His his first produced work by the way, happens in 1967. It is a gag one-shot titled Miyakashi Polikichi. Uh, this one centered around a policeman of the Edo period and goofing on them. Again, already, though, he's goofing on authority, right? Mm-hmm. And all this kind of stuff. And I love, too, that the rebellion's not just, like, socially, culturally. It's As we were just discussing, it's even in his panel layouts and stuff like that. It's just inherent in his work. This is followed by another gag manga called Black Lion, Nagai said, I originally started with gag manga, but I incorporated some elements from story manga. At the time, gag manga was divided into equal panels, and you always saw the whole character's body. It was almost like it was taking place on a stage. Back then, there were lots of comics like that, but I think that there is a limit to what you can express that way. So even though I was drawing gag manga, I started using large panels like in story manga, using close-ups, things like that, and it really lets him stand out. And he's just on the verge of his first big hit. And it was around this time, Nagai felt that manga was becoming stale and he's wanting to stir things up. He's wanting to try to figure out what how to do that. He actually starts doing 
televised debates discussing the merits of manga, its influence on culture in Japan. And this is all going to inspire Nagai's next work uh, because he just wanted to push the boundaries of what manga could be. And another way of doing this was aligning himself with a brand new manga magazine, a big risk at the time that would pay off for Go Nagai in spades. That's right. Gonagai would be one of the first mangaka to publish in Shuisha's Shonen Jump magazine. Insane. Which would, you know, I mean, I mean, I, we've talked about it a million times in this show. You almost never talk about a manga or anime without bringing up Weekly Shonen Jump. It is just inherent to at, at least the the stuff that comes to the Western world. At the very least, it is just incredibly prolific for that. And the fact that he was right there on the cusp of it, he's rolling the dice with this thing. He has no idea what this thing is going to become. And it all results in Gonagai's first big hit, Harinchi Gakuen, which ran from 1968 to 1972. What's the... Uh, uh, Translation again, it's... Um, Shameless School. Shameless School. This ends up being widely considered to be the first modern erotic manga. It centers around an elementary school in which all the teachers and students are perverts. And it's weirdly more innocent than it sounds. Still, it causes a huge uproar in Japan. But actually, it started a little differently. Yeah. It was actually, again, more about you know, discipline and order and those kinds of social norms. It was much more focused Literally, on the... I, I read the first chapter. I read a couple more chapters. But the first chapter, uh, we're introduced to just like this Dennis the Menace looking scamp. And he's being dropped off at a brand new school. And the teachers, they look a little bit weird. One's kind of looks like a caveman. Another one kind of looks like an umbrella. The other one's like kind of a samurai guy. But the nice moms all drop their kids off and they're like, oh, this looks like a nice school. I bet they're using some interesting new education methods. And then as soon as the moms are gone, all the teachers are like, all right, you little shits, we're going to beat you up. You're, we're going to do, we're like going to be the meanest teachers you ever saw. And our Dennis the Menace friend immediately starts trying to kick their ass and play pranks on them. And it's just it's just Dennis the Menace shit. It's just the kids are little fuckers and the teachers are mean assholes and they're just constantly like playing pranks on each other and trying to like make them nude. It's always, you always lose if you're naked. <laughs> it's 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 always like, ha ha, teacher is naked now. I win, <laughs> right. the end. Well, it's kind of interesting how this came to be. Uh, from my source that I have, it, I, I hope this is the truth. So I'm gonna just throw it out. Allegedly, the whole like, Oops, upskirt shot, craze in Japan, apparently can be all uh, pointed back to this one commercial for Maruzen Gasoline, which features actress Rosa Ogawa. She's like driving a race car. She's in this wearing this little skirt. And a couple times throughout, it's like kind of got a horny vibe to it. But in this innocent-ish way that, that only you can have in Japan. And every now and again, this oops, upskirt, kind of happens where her like skirt pops up and you see the her like little uh panties and she or whatever. catches that yeah. at the last minute and she goes a little like Ooh. and apparently like, this yeah. commercial was such a massive hit in japan it starts this entire trend of oops oh no a billow of wind just uh blew through and now i get you got to see a little of the underwear there, and it's it's so huge, it's such a massive hit that uh, Go and a guy's own editor says, "Hey, you know this like school manga you're working on? Can you make it a, a way more about like horny upskirt shots? Since that's what everybody's flipping out over." 
And so he does. So he he turns it into this, uh, as like I said, uh, this thing that's widely considered to be the first modern erotic manga. It's it's bizarre because I believe it is like an elementary school, right? It it's, is. It's, it's, it it's is, odd. absolutely. This is some icky, sticky stuff we're kind of getting into. No, the pranks the pranks go from, um, hey, I put laxatives in the teacher's water to, hey, I bet we can like trick the girls into giving us like uh, to stare at them in the locker room. Yeah. Hey, I bet we can violate the girls' privacy. Yeah, it's, Uh-oh, now the teachers are violating the girls' privacy. It's, it's you know, late 60, early 70. It's, it's definitely, you know, kind of doing that, like what, what we, you know, our version of like Porky's mm-hmm. or something like that, that like horny summer kid comedy kind of vibe or whatever. And um, it's a massive hit. It's such a massive hit that it leads to protests, namely from the parent teachers associations of Japan uh, who dub Nagai an enemy of society. They also start painting him in the press as all these things. He's not as sometimes as a virgin that um, is just like desperately lusty. And other times is this like incredible pervert and uh, just kind of spreading all these things about, him that aren't true that that he's completely frustrated with especially because he was like hey i'm just i was just following orders i'm not this like weird horny goblin well you know what you I mean? know as his infamy raises the uh he's uh, you know whenever there's a moral panic whether it's mortal combat or you know um human centipede or anything like it just means more publicity yeah and so like all of a sudden, he's moving copies of Shonen Jump, and more companies are trying to get a Go Nagai gag strip in there. And soon, uh, you know, on the back of Harenchi Gakuen, now another gag strip has been approved, the Abashiri family, about a family of, like, uh, gangsters and Yakuza members that features a sexy, topless teen girl. And then Anamaru Kedaman is another one, and uh, it also features a scantily clad teenage girl. And then... Omoraikun is published, and it's about a family of beggars that are just filthy, that piss and shit over everything. And would you believe it, one of the most popular characters is a scantily clad teen girl. And, like, for all of the horniness and all of just the absolute male gaze fucking, like, shenanigans that you is just inexpressible, just completely linked with uh, Japanese culture... Like it, it really is like, this is the moment. This is the time that just like the society realized drawings, drawings of big titty teen girls in various states of undress really, really, really helps uh, horny boys liberate themselves from their allowance money. And like Go Nagai is absolutely one of the most in-demand artists at the time. But you can also tell he is affected by this backlash. And the evidence of that is in the latter uh, chapters of Harenchi Gakuen. Uh, in those later chapters, he ends up uh, uh, creating this uh, war between the teachers and students battling against the PTA and defending their freedom of expression as the PTA slaughters them all. So with he, machine guns. 
characters get shot in the fucking gut and die. So so this obviously A is affecting him and B he's also obviously completely willing to infuse what's going on in in real life and and all these things happening around him uh into his work and that is exactly precisely how we get to Demon Lord Dante the precursor to Devilman. And before I get into Demon Lord Dante, I just wanted to give you this quote to juice it up from Go Nagai. When I draw, it's the sea till where I can go. If I don't let my imagination go wild, the mangas become lackluster. Even if I know that I'm drawing scary and horrifying things, I can't stop. I love it. This guy fucking did. He fucking... I bet he hung out with Scumrat Higgins, dude. I bet he fucking partied with the Scumrat, dude. You know what I'm saying? I bet they got crazy. I mean, this was still 15 years before anything even resembling a video game console would exist. But I can assume maybe they were schoolyard chums. Yeah, something like that. Scumrat would just uh, carry that giant oversized nail mm-hmm. that he would just drive into people whenever they crossed him. <laughs> I love that, man. Yeah, he was voted most violent in his high school superlatives, which is uh, very special special. Now Go Nagai wasn't merely trying to have a career as a mangaka, he was also on a mission to question the norms of society in Japan, the general opinion of war, and play with taboos. He found dynamic productions with his brothers in 1969, and so now he has way better control over the money he makes in his properties and over the nature of the work itself. And uh, this is also due to the fact that he got kind of screwed on the profits uh, from Harenshi Gakuin. So he he definitely wanted to take control of that as well. Always about having control. Always about concepts of, of going against authority. Though he continued to work on Gagmonger for the next stint in his career, in 1970 he puts out the one shot Oni 2889 Nin no Hanran. There you go. That's the title for you. Uh, this is uh, this marks a sea change in his genre work. This was a hundred-page sci-fi story about a, uh, the revolt of an alien race of Oni who were oppressed by humans, which seemed to make a comment on Japanese soldiers during the Chinese and Korean occupation, which is also the generation that were so critical of the works of Gonagai. So he's essentially being like, this is kind of the first instance of uh, maybe you guys are the monsters, you know? <laughs> Um, or the second instance, because the, the PTA is the villain in his last work. Maybe you guys, maybe you older generation that are so judgmental of my horny works, maybe you will regret your words and deeds. <laughs> uh, it's this, it is a huge success. Uh, the, the Oni one-shot is, is very big for Nagai because now he's given the credibility to take on more serious works, cross over into something a little more uh, edgy, a little more real. Uh, and so that's where we get how we get to Mal Dante, a.k.a. Demon Knight Dante, which began serialization in January of 1971. The inspiration for this came from his childhood obsession with Dante's Divine Comedy and the illustrations of Gustav Dore. Namely, he found empathy towards the depiction of Lucifer as he is trapped in ice in the center of the earth, tortured by God for rejecting him and falling from heaven. And I even felt this way reading the original Dante's Inferno. You you do have this this empathy uh, when you finally meet Lucifer because he's just this tortured creature, you know, that just has no way out, that that uh, you know, you start it, it. It definitely starts begging the question, like, wait a second, what's the who's the good guy here? And I mean, you know that that totally that 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 
paranoia towards God and, and God's motives and things like that. I mean, come on. I mean, Neon Genesis Evangelion, I mean, all of that stuff is founded in this general concept that Nagai first introduced to the world with uh, Demon King Dante. Yeah, it was around 1970. He was still the king of horny gag mangas, and he just had this hunger in him to kind of pick up where he left off with Demon and tell a longer story. He talks about in Man that like he always wanted to be a story manga artist, not a gag manga artist, and it was just his circumstances that kind of forced him to be busting his ass day after day, week after week. And he really saw this demon story as a way to like bust out of his shell. Uh, One of the big things is that he was really into the emerging world of kaiju movies and had the idea that what if there was a character of a manga who was huge, a monster sized like a beefcake, like Godzilla, like Rodan, like Gamera, And that was enough for the publishers to be like, you know what? We love you, Go. We like your deal. This is an interesting idea. You know, what do you got? And so this vision for this monstrous, multi-headed, big-ass devil creature, like, got burned into his head. In Dante, it starts very much like Devil Man, where it's the same way that Satan was frozen in the middle of hell, in like in Dante's Inferno, what if in the middle of the Arctic or Antarctic, there was a devil just lying in wait to uh, emerge from creatures? A lot of his like philosophy about how devils work, these kind of chimeric animal man things uh, came into being during a lot of this research. He looked at like ancient manuscripts and old woodcut illustrations from early Europe and was like, kind of like, yeah, demons are like animals that get all squishy-wishy with naked people. That's what a devil is. A demon world is a world of just constant violence and sex and evolution and merge and just just nightmares. And uh, I read the first few chapters of uh, Rao Dante, and it's, it's really just like within the first like few pages, our main character is in the Antarctic, Finds a big spooky demon, or no, he's in the Himalayas, I think. He's in the Himalayas, finds a big spooky demon, it eats him, but his pure Japanese shonen heart is so pure that he manages to take over the demon spirit, and now he's a big weird monster, and he's just like fucking up the military. It is basically a satanic kaiju movie on paper. Totally. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Dante then sets about to raise a demon army and destroy mankind. And it may have happened too if it weren't for the fact that in the middle of the manga's run, Bokora Magazine the magazine in which it was running, shut down. Uh, And uh, that is what stops this thing early. 
Though it was definitely a hit. I mean, to a certain degree, people people really liked it, and it just was unfortunate that the magazine ended up shutting down, and uh, it was left hanging for a little while there. But uh, fortunately for Go Nagai, Toei Animation approaches him, and they're interested in this Demon King Dante series as an anime. However, they want to tone down some of the more extreme elements and have it be a more human-like protagonist, and also have it be more like a Monster of the Week kind of thing, and less about these major implications about how maybe the moral high ground people are the fucking evil nightmare people, <laughs> and maybe the de- the ones looked at as devils are the good guys, and we just don't realize that. Um, it's still in there, but not not as fully in the anime. Yeah, not so true for what would become the Devilman manga, though. So it's this is a very interesting thing where Toei. It's weird. Toei wants a piece of the yeah. Gonagai juice. They're like, listen, we love it. Big monster, scary monster, great. What if instead of a fucked up giant jagged tooth monstrosity, he was kind of just a handsome man with a bat on his head? And it was uh, the producers that was like, couldn't he look more like a superhero in American comics? And so Gona Guy created this guy, this blue guy in uh, navy blue briefs with like a little skull belt buckle with basically a Batman logo that served as both his face mask and hair all in one go. Mm-hmm. He submitted things like character designs, uh, demon designs, but for the most part, the actual scenarios were written by a legendary figure actually within the world of uh, anime, Masaki Suji, who is responsible for writing like basically every every major and like early anime of the fucking era, uh, like too many to count. And so the series itself does have a very monster of the week. Yeah, I mentioned it before. A new demon shows up and is like, I know everybody else got their shit wrecked by Devil Man, but I'm going to go try and kill him now. And then Devil Man does his classic special moves and wins the day. There was still like a little bit of a kaiju feel in the earliest episodes, weirdly enough. Um, He's like towering over buildings when he transforms. A lot of classic designs like Xenon and Selene or Serene, however you want to say it, basically the big naked bird chick are emerged as character designs from this run. But it is really hokey. I cannot stress enough. Uh, April, if you could play uh, some of the uh, 1970s theme song, Utewa Debiru Man, like if, if you listen to this theme song, you know exactly what kind of show this is. But now, while this is happening, Gonagai sets out to make the manga version of this. I don't even know if you could call it that. But uh, uh, puts out a manga called Devilman uh, at the same time, in tandem with the anime. But the manga is very different. It's him continuing on his 
path with the anti-war theme, uh, with the fusions of humans and demons as a symbol of the draft in Japan. And the guy said, there is no justice in war, any war, nor is there any justification for human beings killing one another. Devilman carries a message of warning as we step toward a bright future. And though it started with development of the anime, Nagai's editor pushes Nagai to create a manga that is much more mature and edgy than that show. And this manga runs from 1972 to 1973, and it it just really leans into that anti-morality standard outrage sentiment, uh, and of course the anti-war thing. And in this work, Satan convinces the world that anyone who goes against the status quo could potentially turn into a demon, which creates a mass hysteria with all the nations starting wars with each other and hatred towards minorities then surges. There's a lot of a lot of these kinds of concepts of of the the which makes it work so well today with social media mm-hmm. because there's so much like moral outrage happening and all these conversations around the queer community yeah. and and minorities and things like that and uh, um, the fight against that and uh, everyone paints the other side to be the bad guy here you know and it's a mess it's I mean it is truly a unique work. You know, there's just like all these sorts of things where like you got, you know, if in the anime, uh, you know, there's like a mermaid lady who's trying to like trap devil man in a giant clam in the manga. There's an octopus woman with tentacles firing out of her nipples and a giant gnashing uh, mouth where her vagina should be like there is psychosexual insanity and murder and blood and war horrors just constantly happening. Um, the character of Ryo, uh, Akira Fudo's best friend who kind of uh, inducts him into the world of devils and demons doesn't even appear in the anime. And um, uh, Gona guy had to constantly uh, pretend that he was about to kill the character off so that the anime team didn't use him because he was like trying to say deeper shit with it. And he, uh, the show was a hit. The show was a, you know, it got a huge bump in the ratings. Uh, it was at a later time slot. It was considered like more mature than standard stuff. But this was the same year that like Kikaider came out. This is the same year that, uh, uh, Gotcha Man, G Force, uh, Battle of the Planets, whatever you want, you know, the bird people. The, the you know the the space bird helmet people uh came out this was a very big time for 70s anime but like you know gona guy is doing some like crazy shit the, you know some of these demon designs are just some like freudian fucked up shit happening uh the character of miki akira's uh beloved love interest is constantly getting attacked by fucked up monsters and getting stripped naked there's crime and uh, the Cold War and the Vietnam War, like everything that uh, Gona Guy is just like passively processing while still churning out a bunch of anime series and managing his own production company and like barely eating and sleeping is all getting digested into this very, very bizarre story 
with the trappings of a hokey 1970 superhero show. It's fucking cool as hell. I, I, I forgot to mention, you know, the whole concept of Satan perpetuating this horrible act of violence against humanity as an act of vengeance against God for slaughtering the demons mm-hmm. back in the, you know, back in, in the uh, way back in the day for, for the, you know, history of this manga. And it speaks towards the cycles of violence in our world, how ma- marginalized groups can even perpetuate these same cycles and reaction to the trauma and abuse they have received. This is a devil man. Yeah. This is, <laughs> this is, I never even imagined that, this would be the foundations of what to me was just like a hyper violent, yeah. you know, like I said, I kind of, kind of compared it to like fist of the North star, but it goes so much deeper than just like, how bad can I make this guy's head explode by punching it? It's like, no man, this is, this is, this is speaking towards shit that I hadn't really been entertaining as a concept until major discussions happening over on social media over the past decade. You know? Another weird thing that I just want to point out, uh, the divergence between the 70s anime and the manga is that in um, the anime, Akira Fudo just straight up dies in like the first episode. And it's the devil Amon that just like assumes his life and form and then grows to like love humanity and fall in love with Miki. But like he is always just a demon that like took over a dead guy's body. Whereas in most more canonical manga-based adaptations, Akira was this shy, cowardly boy that, like, merged with a demon and kind of together they became this, like, more animalistic but virtuous being. But, yeah, no, in the anime, uh, Akira, who constantly walks around in a shirt with a big letter A on it, so just in case you forget his name, (laughs) uh, is just straight up a demon pretending to be a person. Yeah, it's it's kind of incredible. I didn't even think that manga and anime worked like this, where you just had these like two parallel works coming out at the same time, telling vastly different stories with the same characters and basic concepts. It feels like the kind of thing that happened in the 80s where like Frank Miller or Alan Moore would do some like fucked up deconstruction of a superhero uh-huh. and like make it more twisted and prescient and real and sexual and violent. But instead, it's the same guy doing it with his own character instantaneously from the more family-friendly production, which I find fascinating. Very interesting. So after that ends, several years pass, and we get a couple of OVAs that Jake was uh, referring to earlier. You've got Devilman the Birth, released in 1987. It remains more faithful to the manga. It tells the story of Akira's transformation into devil man while also showcasing the bloody origins of life on earth between God and the demons before all this. And the ending is bloody as hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, devil man massacres a bunch of demons in a nightclub, which if you're familiar with devil man, Crybaby, that's uh, the big wow moment in that first episode. Um, the second OVA subtitled the demon bird was done by the same folks that did the first OVA it continues the devil man story from the previous OVA and apparently the dub really tries to gin up the adult content, filling dialogue with extra, at times completely absurd profanity, really trying to sell the whole concept to America of this ain't your kid's animation, this is big boy shit. Well, it's, uh, it's weirdly hilarious. slow to begin with. Like, it takes a while for the actual, like, 
blood and titty devil man like moment in the OVA to happen. So yeah, it feels like they really did just pile on like edgelord dialogue that definitely even wasn't there in the anime. I'm sorry, uh, April, if you could just throw in some clips, there's uh I believe the YouTube video, The Devil Man Experience, really distills some of the weirdest dub reads from this production. Oh, of course, it's my old friend Rio. How the hell have you been keeping then? I don't give a shit. This is very important. Is it okay for me to wear my shoes in here? I don't give a shit. Fucking A, run for it. Let's get the fuck out of here. Suck on this. There's only one other fucking thing needed for the Sabbath, and that's plenty of blood. Fucking hellfire! Hi there, Mr. Fuckwit. You're beginning to look a little bit run down. Let me give you a helping hand. I'm Devil Man! I'm no longer Ammon. He's eating shit in hell right now! You can call me... Devil Man! Yeah, it's the kind of thing that... I don't fucking care. Is, <laughs> Do whatever the fuck you want. It's the kind of thing that is fun to get together with a group of friends and I mean, that's what we did at the Sunday at- study session. Go to uh, patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. Find out how you can join our weekly live uh, chat where we watch and engage with some of the more uh, bizarre things that we're covering each week. Um, no, everybody had a blast. You can actually find all of those OVAs on the internet archive with the weird dub. Uh, completely for free, and I highly recommend it if you want to watch some actual trash. And then, in the year 2000, Amon, The Apocalypse of Devilman is the last OVA release. It's based on an alternate universe offshoot of the Devilman manga written by Yu Kinutani, titled Amon, The Dark Side of Devilman, just to get, make it even more confusing. And this is a more extreme and more bleak take on the ending of the original manga. Um, and that is really all we get on, in terms of uh, on-screen appearances for Devil Man for the most part. Uh, before we get to Devil Man Crybaby, however, we do need to speak towards Devil Lady. She's a lady. Whoa, whoa, whoa. She's a lady. I also love that it's Devil Man Lady <laughs> in Japan. Yeah. Changed to Devil Lady uh, for American audiences. But yeah, back in 1997, Go Nagai released a sequel to the original manga. A sequel, but if you know what happens at the end of the original run of Devil Man, it's like a sequel in the sense of like if someone made a sequel to like the Dark Tower series, mm-hmm. like they set it up in a way that the universe resets. So they can reset the universe and tell essentially a different story with a different protagonist. But even some of the same, I think a lot of the same characters from the original Devil Man are like in the story, you know, like Ryo even and Akira. Oh, even Dante comes back by the end of Devil Man Lady. Yeah, yeah, totally. Which uh, Go Nagai does this a lot. Uh, we talked about this series um, in our Berserk episode, but Violence Jack also kind of has a bit of like reincarnated devil man characters kind of running around in a lot of ways, kind of in the style of Ishii, Namori, and Tezuka. Gonagai kind of relies on a cast of characters that he freely puts into different series over and over again to create kind of a meta continuity within their works. But I got to say, the devil man lady manga and anime is a lot. Like, <laughs> even with all the fucked up shit that happens in Devilman and even Devilman Crybaby, Devilman Lady, there is 
tons of sexual assault. Yeah. Just like, just weird takes on sexuality that do not hold up right now. Um, just like, like you got to keep in mind, this is a edgy manga author trying to be even edgier in the 90s. And like, I, I don't know if I recommend it as a hearty good time, but it is a fascinating it's upsetting. I'm going to say an upsetting read at this point. Well, you know, I just feel like it took a wrong turn advertising for it because they kept putting all that stuff out on billboards and in magazines that just said, go Nagai will make you his bitch. <laughs> yeah. And it was just kind of a little too aggressive for people. You're thinking of John Romero again. <laughs> You're thinking of John Romero. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's also kind of weird. There's also weird differences between the manga and anime. Um, head-scratching ones, such as the protagonist in the manga is a teacher and former athlete, and in the anime, she's a supermodel. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that, it's kind of, you know, it feels feels odd. Uh, but yeah, it it's, uh, yeah, Devilman Lady in Japan, and there was a crossover with Go Guy's Magical Girl manga, Cutie Lady, at one point as well. Cutie Honey. Cutie Honey. Oh, it was called Cutie Lady? Or? No, no, maybe, I think. No, cu- Cutie Honey. No, I think I wrote Cutie, Cutie Lady because it's called Cutie Honey, like, versus Devilman mm. Lady or something like that. Um but anyway, Devilman does show up in a couple of crossovers. There's uh, Mazinger meets Devilman uh, in a kind of fun uh, callback to their time working together. Ishinomori teamed up with Go Nagai to create Cyborg 009 versus Devilman back in the 2010s. There's like, uh, yeah, no, Devilman, even though the series originally ran for just a couple of years, it's the character has just been like floating throughout like otaku culture this entire time. Totally. Absolute mascot hanging out in the wings up until we get to, I think what Jake and I would at the end of the day recommend you Mm. go and watch as soon as this episode is over. If this did pique your interest, that's right. Devilman Crybaby, released in 2017 in Japan, 2018 worldwide via Netflix. Uh, It is an anime only. It is directed by Masaki Yuasa, uh, who updated the setting from the 70s to modern day. Uh, However, it does still stay, stay pretty faithful to the original manga in ways that a lot of the anime adaptations have not. And it is fucking badass, man. It is great, dude. It is almost a, like best of hit yeah of like gona guy's entire evolution of the devil man character up until that moment there are characters that didn't appear or kind of appeared in the original but were like borrowed from devil man lady that appear in the series uh even the whole like subplot with the track and field thing there was no track and field in any devil man media up until the horrible 2004 live action movie that had an intense uh, track and field subplot and uh, Yuasa just folded that into it for fucks and giggles. It's uh, Yuasa actually claims that he created this thing imagining like if Go Nagai had no limiters, what would he have originally created from the get go? Like if he had to just like, you know, he was trying to embody that daring spirit in the modern age kind of asking himself, you know, what would go do? And it definitely creates this, like, this amazing kind of pastiche. Yuasa uh, has worked on a bunch of things. Uh, Ping Pong, the animation, uh, is one of his, like, earliest works. There was stuff like, uh, what was it? The Night is Short, Walk On Girl, 
Lou Over the Wall, which is like this kind of fucked up take on uh, Ponyo, the Tatami Galaxy. He like goes all over the place from like slice of life to fantasy to science fiction, all with this very distinct loose art style, very expressive, very cartoony, where a lot of Devilman adaptations go for like real power fantasy detailed artwork. You know, you want to see all the blood splatters in HD. You want to see rippling muscles and uh, just, just again, I must, I must say, I'm going to, too many tits. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying these words, Holden. Too many tits. Debatable. But Yuasa's uh, distinctive art style really kind of helps kind of soften a lot of what you're seeing and it allows you but to not kind of- my penis! <laughs> Oops. Yuasa also did the incredible <laughs> episode of Adventure Time Food Chain, which is a real fucker if you ever like uh, watch it way too high and all of a sudden become acutely aware of your place in the universe. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah, but I love continuing on, but like updating it for modern times. I think instead of like real true full-on war uh, and and the anti-war theme, it's more of the culture war mm-hmm. that it attacks and goes after. And uh, uh, especially with the advent of social media and how how crazy social media has been when it comes to like propelling racism, propelling nationalistic ideas, you know, but also being this force of good that's allowing for these discussions to happen that weren't happening before for awareness to happen that wasn't happening before. And it's all put on into this melting pot. And I think it's a really smart direction to take things uh, for, for the franchise and for, for the story to, to be more relevant today. And you also definitely wanted to evoke the feeling he had when he read the manga in high school. And also that since Nagai was limited to, in creating a manga for a youth magazine, he just wanted to like take it all the way. He wanted to take it all the way to what he thinks Go Nagai truly would have drawn in those pages uh, had it not been for his his limitations with the moral outrage and uh, with the fact that it was a children's magazine that he was putting this stuff in, which is bizarre. It's all bizarre. Ja- Japan's weird, man, yeah, it, when it comes to like their standards mm-hmm. and practices and like Oh, you can show acceptable. a monster mutilate the genitals of a uh, underage girl. Just make sure you blur the the crotch. <laughs> Like, what? What <laughs> yeah, are we? It's Gonagai actually, uh, the relationship between Japan and America as this like fucked up brotherhood that is like bad for both sides at the end of the day is definitely an influence on the relationship between, you know, Japanese every boy, uh, Akira, and Ryo, the half Japanese blonde boy that uh, kind of lures him into a world of violence and depravity and ultimately becomes his ultimate enemy when the shit hits the fan. Like that is definitely intentional uh, when the guy was creating the original story. So like, that's the thing is behind all of what should just be straight up pornographic, lowest common denominator, just sex and violence. There is so much depth to this story that it really like, it hits you from like sideways like a truck yeah. when you're watching it for the first time. This mangaka really speaks to me. Like I love the rebellious spirit. I love that ho- the whole nature of his career being like, all right, fine, you're going to criticize my work, then I'm going to use my work to criticize you. Is such a great, smart way 
to go about things. The fact that he's so prolific, because we didn't even mention, you know, we briefly mentioned Mazinger Z, Cutie Honey, totally other genres of, of manga and anime that he had massive, massive influence on as well, you know, and we could do an entire episode just on his, uh, any one of his other works. I mean... If Tezuka is the Walt Disney of anime, Gonagai in a lot of ways could be the Stan Lee. Yeah. Kind of making things a little more relatable, a little more interesting, kind of uh, bringing things to a level that the young male audience actually kind of resonates with. Yeah, it's really cool to see. Only slightly less horny than Stan Lee. Absolutely, and just only slightly less horny. Well, anyways, hope you enjoyed this episode of Devilman like we did. I love these October uh, episode topics. It's been a blast. This was so great. Give me the guts. Give me the blood. And the tits. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining. If you'd like to support us further, check out our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. Once again, that's patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. We do weekly bonus episodes for $5 a month. At $15 a month, you can join us for our Sunday study sessions while we cover whatever we're researching that week. Uh, this past time, as Jake mentioned, it was a lot of watching of Devilman in uh, its many ridiculous iterations. Uh, you can also check me out on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash holdenators ho, twitch.tv forward slash holdenators ho. I'm streaming Monday, Tuesday. Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. It's a good time. Jake! Really gotta press the flesh hard on that Patreon. It is the number one way you can support the show. If you've ever been at the end of an episode and been like, God, I wish there was hours upon hours upon hours of unheard extra content uh, that I could listen to on my commute or while I'm washing dishes, buddy, that Patreon bonus feed is the answer to your prayers and it helps keep the lights on in our respective homes. So really give it a shot. Patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at bestjakeyoung, Instagram at bestjakeyoung. And uh, I also do Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash puppetjared. The Cartoon Dumpster, a Thursday night cavalcade of bizarre cartoons from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s is a uh, our flagship stream. Uh, April, as, as we head out, uh, if you could play the Devilman No Uta theme from the Devilman Crybaby soundtrack, uh, I think that is a good way to close us out. Oh, yes. But until then, keep on whizzing. And never stop bruising! This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. 
See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Your Space Coast vacation is preparing for liftoff. Start counting down now. 10, 9, 8, 7, it's time for a beach vacay that feels like heaven. 6, 5, 4, come explore Melbourne and the beaches. 3, 2, 1, it's time for some rocket-filled fun. Count down to your best beach vacation ever on Florida's Space Coast. Launch your planning now at visitspacecoast.com.